Hello, welcome to Free Will, Science, and Religion. I'm Chandler Klebs, and I'm here with George Ortega, and I think Jamie Soden is still alive, but we don't hear him lately, so I don't know if he went somewhere, but he's on the college, we just don't hear him. Um, but anyway, um, our topic for this podcast is, I guess, about um, you know people falsely accusing you of things and how do you deal with it when people are saying things that are false about you and wrong about you, you know, like, because um, I, I think this is something we all have to deal with. We have to deal with conflicts with people and arguments. And even though we who understand that free will is an illusion, we're able to not blame each other um, the way free will believers do. Often other people are blaming us. They are accusing us. They are mean and hostile. And we need to figure out what's the right way to approach people. Because um, for um, – oh, I see Jamie sent a message. My mic is acting up. I'm leaving for tonight. I'm tired. You can mention my arguments in this podcast. I don't mind. Stay on topic. I trust you people. You're intelligent and you demand evidence like wise people. Thanks. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, George, see, when we when we have a conflict with somebody, um, whether they're accusing us of some something, um, like accusing us of doing something wrong and blaming us and punishing us for it, for example, well, how do we deal with the situation in a practical way? Because obviously there's no there's no time to get into the whole philosophical thing of why they should not be attributing free will to you and blaming you. But how do you handle that in a practical manner? And Chandler, I think this is very important because people, you know, are often afraid that if we abandon the belief in free will, not only with our, will our civilization collapse, but we won't be able to, like, negotiate these kinds of situations. So... So let's frame it in a bit more detail. Basically, what Jamie told me is that he had asked a friend of his daughter um, what it's like to be a girl. An innocuous question. You know, somebody online misinterpreted and, and Jamie didn't say what they were accusing Jamie of at all, but basically they were going on the attack. So the first thing that comes to mind with situations like this is like, Ideally, just like even with free will belief, ideally, you know, you want to kind of like be civil and try to negotiate things in the best of ways, as peacefully as possible. Again, this, this applies to both free will belief and non-free will belief. But I think in both cases, when a person aggresses against us, you know, it, I mean, we have this, this um, principle of, of self-defense, and we usually view it in terms of physical self-defense. If, if a person is assaulting us physically, it's our right to defend ourselves, which means we have to fight back, you know, it's the right thing to do. And so I think, I think that sets the, the precedent or principle for cases like this also. You know, if if we're trying to be reasonable with a person, even though even though we're not blaming them because we know that they don't have a free will, we know that they're compelled to, to blame us and accuse us, we may nonetheless have to, at a certain point, if, if civility isn't working, go on the attack, you know, as a means of emotional 
you know, psychological self-defense against, you know, their, you know, I mean, fine, we don't have a free will, but we have feelings. If the person is hurting our feelings, then we, we need to defend ourselves against that. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting about this is I've been realizing this more in my life, and I've had to defriend some people. Um, you know, on social media and stuff because they want to fight and they want to argue about stuff. Um, and now that's actually, though, I mean, that seems, I mean, it's been difficult for me to get to that point because my tendency has been to try to reason with them and, and explain, well, no, this is not true because of this. And, and, you know, people accuse me of being evil and sinful and, and persecuting them and all sorts of strange stuff like that happens. But what worries me is how will I be able to handle this in real face-to-face -face conversation? Not, not that it happens very often, but this is difficult because I don't, it, like I can't go on the offensive um, and it, you know, especially if it's um, if if it's you know your family members like like you know your your parents or other people you live with, or it's your your bosses at your job. Like it's difficult. It's almost like in a lot of situations, you know, you just have to you kind of just have to let them think they're right and take the punishment. And that's been my approach, you know. All right. Well, I mean, if it's a person in authority like sometimes a parent and a boss yeah that that seems reasonable i think many of us you know have to to do that or we're in those certain you know it, it seems like the reasonable not the ideal thing but it makes a lot of sense so certainly in situations like that then but let's say it's, it's someone let's say online that you know you you really don't there's no disparity in power between you and I, th I think, like, to the extent, because we may, like, not like to simply argue because that's our nature. And I think sometimes when that's the case, I think we have to get better, not at attacking, but actually at distancing ourselves before, you know, it gets to that. In other words, like, we might reach the conclusion that, it, you know, through no fault of their own, because they don't have a free will, they may not be very intelligent. Or they may be holding just beliefs that are erroneous, and we, you know, are very unlikely to disavow them of their beliefs. So I think sometimes it just makes the best sense to recognize that and simply remove oneself from those interactions. You know, saying, listen, uh, we're going to just have to agree to disagree and, you know, just like completely shift to something else. Yeah, I think it has to be done because there comes a time when the conversation is no, is not productive and there's absolutely nothing that you could say that resolves the conflict. So a lot of times it's best if people leave the discussion and cool off. Right. All right. So now so let's get back to like um what you raised before. Let's say it's a, you know, your boss or your parent where you basically kind of like, you know, they're saying something, you disagree. And see, I think what, what we're dealing with in situations like that, we're conditioned to feel bad about that. We feel emotionally bad. Somebody's saying something, we know they're wrong, 
but they, you know, they need for us to accept what they're saying, whatever. And so I think what we need to do, Chandler, is like we need to get better at understanding the implications of, of, of that no one has a free will. I mean, we understand this intellectually, but I think we also have to understand it strongly enough and deeply enough so we integrate it in, into our emotional selves. So basically when things like that happen, you know, we could say to, to ourselves, well, you know, like, fine, it'd, it'd be nice if this wasn't happening because I think we all are conditioned to prefer agreement to disagreement. But to the extent we get better and better at reminding ourselves that these people who are insisting we believe something, you know, when, when we know it's wrong, don't have a free will, then I think that would greatly, you know, perhaps completely um, lessen our tendency to become angry with them or even to become angry over what they say. You know, in other words, we, we still might be angry at, at whatever is causing them to say it, but I think it might make things better. But again, I think my main point is, yeah, we have to work on that. We have to work on, on not just understanding that free will is an illusion, but on how to how to use this understanding more and more in our daily interactions. Yeah, it's a difficult one because I understand they don't have a free will and that there's some reason why the conflict is happening, even when it's, when it's just wrong, you know, even when the person's wrong or, or even maybe we're wrong and we don't know it, you know. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting because... It's important when we get emotional, when we get heated, when there, when you know, voices are raised and and there's chaos going on, to not let our emotional, um, our emotional um, tendencies to, you know, react irrationally. That's my difficulty, is because when I get emotional and I feel threatened, I kind of. Um, it's, you know, I kind of turned into the whole fight or flight response. And neither way that I act when I get like that is the way that is the right way to act. And I know that. Well, I mean, let me give an example of, of how I dealt with something. It was actually yesterday, the day before. I was on the phone with somebody who believes in free will and they have to believe in free will. You know, they, I mean, that's what I discovered. At first, it was kind of like an exploration, and I kept explaining to them why free will is impossible. And they, you know, were saying, well, but, you know, each, each objection they raised, I, I, you know, I successfully addressed. And then, you know, it seemed that that wasn't working. So then they began to, what they did was they began to interrupt me a lot as I was explaining things. And it got to a certain point where I just like said, well, you know, this is wrong, and I wouldn't allow them to interrupt me. So each time they tried to interrupt me, I kept talking, and they, get, they got angry because this person happens to be a bit of a control freak, whatever. But anyway, it got to the point where um, it, was a, it was a conflict, and I felt good. I actually felt good about not letting this person have their way because they were wrong. Again, this isn't. This is a bit different from what you were, we were describing in terms of a person who has authority over you. And I think maybe we should get back to that because that's that's important. But in this case, again, yeah, I would have rather that we didn't, you know, um, 
that it didn't come to that. But, you know, there, there's peace of the value. You know, we certainly value peace and, and, you know, civility and getting along. But dignity is also a value. In other words, like to the extent that we sometimes allow people to mow over us, to, to have this unfair, unethical control over us, you know, for the sake of peace, and we lose dignity over that, I'm not sure that's a good thing. I think, it, you know, the basic dignity and just defending what's right is something that, that becomes, you know, important. Yeah. Um, and one thing that's interesting is that being aware of time, the difference between when there's some authority figure, whether it's your boss or the police or whatever, where you just basically have to do what they say and pretend as though they're right. There's a difference between that situation and other peers who don't really have any authority over you, and you don't have to take um, mistreatment from them. And it's knowing that difference that I need to work on. Yeah, Chandler, I mean, is there um, a, an instance that you might want to relate with either, you know, your parent or a boss that 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 demonstrates that, that you can say, like, you know, that, you know, they believe they're right in certain, you know, certain whatever, and you feel they're wrong, but you have to do what they, you know, say because they are in a position of authority. Is there, a, you know, a specific instance that you might want to relate that we can maybe explore in more detail? Yeah, well, you know, um, that obviously happened in the Navy, in Navy boot camp the short time I was there. You know, um, basically, the only way to stop getting constantly yelled at, and sometimes that didn't even work, was just do whatever you're told, you know. There was no way I could, even though I was being mistreated by the officers who were yelling at me and, and, and calling me a piece of worthless shit and that sort of stuff. Oh, sorry. I guess we're not supposed to use that. No, word. no, that's all right. But yeah, I'm, but yeah, I'm, but that's just, you know, the kind of stuff that they were saying to, to me. And they were doing it not just to me, but everyone. And so it was kind of an abuse that all the recruits had to take. Um, and it's still, yeah, it's still damaging, I think, to take that. And yet there was nothing that could have been done differently. Of course, we know we never could have done otherwise, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, all right. You know, I haven't explored that, but let's actually explore that within the context of free will in that, like, you know, what you said was that, like, they were treating everyone that way. In other words, that must be the policy of, of the military boot, in boot camp. You know, they must believe that it benefits a person in some way to be subject to that abuse. You know, otherwise, I don't think they would, um, you know, they would exercise that. So, so from that perspective, I think, you know, relative this, to this whole thing of free will, we can understand that it wasn't personal, right? That the person wasn't, you know, you know, attacking you and the other people out of any kind of like personal, you know, reason. It, it was simply policy. Um, so let's see now. I mean, like with something like that, when you understand, like, let's say, let's say you were in that same situation now that you've had, you know, several months of, of just like understanding that absolutely nothing is up to anyone. Would, would that make any difference in that kind of situation? You know, it actually would, George, because see, back at that time, that was years ago. And I thought that I really was to blame 
um, for all kinds of things that they picked on me about, like that I couldn't tie my shoes fast enough and that sort of thing, you know, because back then I believed in free will and I wondered why I couldn't be perfect enough. But now that I understand that I was doing the best I can, you know, I, I don't blame myself. I know I don't have a free will and no, I'm not responsible in the way, so it can't sting as bad as it did at that time. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think their approach may be to instill in soldiers the same kind of attitude that we're in tr trying to instill in civilians through understanding that no one has a free will. What I mean is, like, what we teach people is, like, when somebody is abusive toward us in, in some way, and we can remind ourselves that it's not them, it, you know, they are completely compelled to do what they do, then all of a sudden it's not personal and it takes a lot of the sting out of it. You know, we can say we may not be pleased with what's happening, but, you know, we may not direct our anger toward them or, or feel that, you know, that it's, you know, significant or, or meaningful, you know, in, in a certain personal way. So, like, so from what you're saying, I think, you know, what, why they may do that is maybe to instill in these soldiers, like, for example, they, they, nobody likes to feel bad, right? And I think so, like, what happens with the, these soldiers, like, they get some of that abuse and they say, well, there's no way they can, like, you know, give it back to their drill sergeant or something. You know, that's not going to work. So basically they say they have to accept it. And all of a sudden it just becomes meaningless. In other words, like it flows in one ear and out the other. And they just like say, hey, this is, you know, it doesn't mean anything. So I'm wondering if that's, that's the purpose to, to allow people. We have this expression, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That I think that might be, you know, the purpose to, to help soldiers see what happens, what other people do as not, not having the power to uh, hurt them, you know, to, to help uh, those soldiers develop that. How does that sound? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure, but that's, uh, I think that's a good explanation. Um, maybe that's it. Um, it's kind of interesting because it's true that um, eventually somebody would get to a point where it doesn't mean that much to them. They're used to it. You know, um, and I think that's sort of, in a way, it's sort of like a, a workout, you know, where somebody's um, stretching their limits, getting their muscles stronger. In a way, I think it works that way where they, they get a little bit tougher to where they're not as um, deeply emotionally affected all the time because they build up a resistance, perhaps. Right. But in Chandler, I think we have to though make a distinction, you know, because in the military, maybe there are other things that these soldiers are made to do that fosters a very strong self, uh, sense of self-esteem in them. Because again, not having free will, we know that a lot of times what we hear about us, what we hear toward us, our reaction from the world, you know, forms a great part of who we are. And so I can, I can think of examples, for example, where, you know, a parent or an older sibling or something might be telling us, you know, hurtful things and and we're not, you know, especially maybe young kids are not able to just let it glide off their their um, their skin or back, whatever. Basically, that that you know that a lot of times the way people are treated in that way is harmful. Um, so, so I think actually, you know, so this is actually 
why it's so important, I think, for society, for people to, to understand that no one has a free will. Because all of a sudden, like, you know, for example, let's say, you know, a young child has a parent who's like, you know, telling them, you know, you're worthless, whatever, you know, some, some parents just will do that. And to the extent the child understands that um, that parent doesn't have a free will and is able to not, quote unquote, blame the parent, then, then it might help the the child to be able to negotiate because like I think that the immediate response in a situation like that might be the child becomes fearful and the beca- child becomes resentful of the parent you know and so then there's not maybe enough interaction going on so like to the extent I think that maybe in situations like that there's this understanding that that nothing actually and this you know, we have to go the, the full circle on this. In other words, like to the extent that the father or the, the mother or the parent or the older brother or sister understood that the younger child doesn't have a free will, then I think the basis, the actual basis for that kind of abuse would evaporate. You know, so, so like we're, we're basically, we're, we're, we're on, you know, our mission is basically to transform the, the very nature of how we interact with each other to to basically minimize or perhaps even eliminate this kind of, um, you know, abusive behavior toward each other. Yeah, and actually, George, that's even more important because, you know, little children especially, they don't have a, you know, the, the understanding that we have because of we've studied this for so long and then understand that nothing's up to us because it takes a little bit of time to really get the concept. Um, into your whole psychology and so children don't have that as a as a way of helping them not take it personally when their family members or or other people treat them badly Um, but what you're saying is that this will actually help those other people not blame these children and 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 say these awful things and and you know and punish them for choosing to do this and that you know absolutely absolutely i mean for example let's say you know let's say it's a teacher and you know the teacher's student is you know let's say it's a math um class or something and the, and the student isn't getting it now i think this is an actually actually an example of how we understand that that we don't have a free will because a lot of times in this example a math teacher if they're a good math teacher they will recognize that we are born with different aptitudes you know somebody who might might be brilliant in music and in art and in something else whatever might be very weak in math you know so so basically um they understand that and so that kind of prevents them from really like blaming, you know, a, a student for not being able to understand or just like accusing them of not trying hard enough and all. And, you know, George, that's a perfect example because that's exactly what my mom told me happened to her is her math teachers in school were blaming her for not being talented at math. And a lot of times that's the case. They blame people for not being for not coming out of the womb knowing everything about the subject that they're supposedly going to teach them about yeah and chandler i mean we know from our experience with these professional academics who have phds we know that somebody can be like for example intelligent enough to to get a phd and to teach you know classes in college 
and yet be pretty pretty weak in terms of basic logic and, and actually you know not being able to understand why free will is so impossible so so i think this is something that you know we 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 in our experience see and yeah so like chandler yeah we're, we're basically you know creating a world where this kind of like you know ignorant unintelligent abuse of people even sometimes of ourselves because we blame ourselves just becomes much much less prevalent yeah and you know george this this leads me to an interesting thought i've been thinking about something lately because you know how i theorize about if i had children how i would raise them what i would say to them and i think about this often and what i think would be helpful is that while there isn't very much I can do about the fact that people would say horrible things that damage their self-esteem, what I can do is I can counter that and I can explain to them why it's not their fault and that these people are irrationally blaming them for things. And I think that will actually help them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, um, you know, we're, we're at the leading edge of this. Um, you know, again, one of our challenges is to, um, to overcome the emotional bias that people have toward accepting this. People like to believe that things are up to us. And th so that's one reason why we might present an argument to them and they won't understand it because their emotions hijack their reasoning. So if we can present more and more examples of this, of how like, you know, this free will belief and how this belief makes us act actually just like, you know, makes things so much more difficult for parents and children, for siblings, for friends, for, for married couples. You know, that to the extent we overcome this belief in free will, we can have so much of, of a harmonious, a more harmonious world. I think people will then, you know, be able to like, you know, at least, you know, be able to see their biases and hopefully overcome them. Yes, and you know, it's interesting, the fact that we get so hijacked by our emotions and we don't see what's true because we have a need to believe certain things. I mean, that right there is one more explanation for why we don't have a free will and that we need to believe certain things because some people, they derive their whole meaning in life from the fact that they are controlling their life. That's the, to them. It's a fact so to us. We know it's not a fact, but you know, that's what they say. Well, that their whole meaning in life comes from being in control. And it's interesting to me um, because it seems that those people who have a need to be in control, um, to, to need to feel like they're in control. Those are the people who aren't going to get it. And you're right, and you're right, and, and this, you know, so like, you know, there's basic, um, I've got to, you just reminded me, I have a book titled The Republican Brain by this guy called Chris Mooney, but he's quick to mention it's not just something the Republicans do, Democrats do also, conservatives and, and liberals. Basically, he cites a lot of research that shows instances where, where people believe what they believe politically or ideologically or whatever, religiously, not based on reason, but based on these emotional needs. So Chandler, I think to the extent we understand this process better, and I'm, I'm glad, you know, this reminded me, I'm going to actually 
you know, start, you know, reading that book again to get a better understanding, you know, if we can understand the mechanism of how, you know, these emotions trump their reason, then maybe we can address it in a way that will we'll overcome it, we'll reprogram people. Hold on, hold on for just a second, Chairman. Nick, I'll be right down, right? Okay, thanks. Sorry. I'm sorry, Chandler, go ahead. Okay, where were we? <laughs> we're, we're, at, we're at 28 minutes and 20 seconds, so we're almost, you know, we, we might want to wrap up. I mean, Yeah, I suppose so. We've talked a lot about um, this stuff, you know, um, how we cannot take, when knowing that we aren't to blame for anything, we don't take it as hard when people are blaming us. And I think it takes time to do this, but this can prevent us from our self-esteem from getting as damaged as as it often does with people. Yeah, and Chandler, uh, yeah, a good thought is we might want to come up with exercises that help people do this, even ourselves. Yeah, that's a good idea. Something that we can do to remind ourselves not to punish and blame ourselves, which sometimes it's still a bad habit. It's hard to break. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to work on that. So I guess I'll close this podcast. You've been listening to Free Will, Science, and Religion with Chandler Klebs, George Ortega, and, well, we didn't have Jamie on. Something went wrong with his mic, but <laughs> I'm sure you'll hear him in future episodes. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>